linguistically frolicking through our Philosopher's Playground at the Sandy Deck Studios. I'm not doing any of those things. <laughs> Say that ten times fast. <laughs> also, I will frolic with neither of you. I'm Aaron. I'm Chris. I'm Scott. <laughs> what, what's wrong with frolicking, man? I wasn't sure if you weren't sure if you were Scott, or you just didn't want to admit it after the frolicking comment. It took a minute. I was, I was waiting for another like uh, Woody phrase coming out of your mouth, man. Uh, I, I think you, you, you blanked my head there, and I was just... Uh... In the silence, I thought you were like holding back things you didn't want to say on the podcast. Oh, are we on the podcast? Yeah, now? we're we're on the podcast. We, we did we an totally intro, good. man. Yeah, that was totally that what was that was. Intro. As I said, you guys make fun of me. You laugh. I don't care. Put me on blast. That's mm. fine. Where are they going to put you on blast at? Whoa. Judging well, that, by his frolicking comment, I could posit some guesses. Well, I think if you're going to put anybody on blast or comment, it should definitely be either. It should be on Facebook. How about that? How about you check out our site uh, at, uh, at the Fourth Pillar Podcast? Clever Scott, I saw at, what you did there. Excellent yeah. lead-in. Yo, <laughs> Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Check out our Stitcher, website. All yeah. that. Check out the website. So yeah, no, we 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 get we get some some mundane topics, some big topics. Well, you know, uh, last time we, we covered a plethora of things, uh, both too much and not enough. But we really wanted to kind of, we were discussing outside of recording about what does the next president have to deal with as far as the economy goes. So A hot mess. <laughs> a stinking, flaming garbage fire. Well, I mean, that was Trump's, Trump's reasoning and excuse. Well, you know... Trump's not really dealing with it. Trump's kind of the one setting the fire and starting it up. I mean, he's sitting there with the, the can oh. of gasoline and the matches just with, with his bellows just blowing on the fire some more. I mean, he, he wants to do nothing to, to put out. Oh, no, no. He's well, directing somebody else to bellow the well, fire. Well, specifically economically, there's going to be, I think, a, a variety of, of problems here. Uh, so first off, economically, despite what Trump is saying, we are not in a very good spot. Uh, unemployment numbers are on the rise. Uh average cost of living is going up while wages are staying stagnant uh and that has already been building to a breaking point oh yeah for decades but now we're looking at people right but now we're looking at people that are losing their jobs to covid uh with no backups because their wages have stagnated and the cost of living has increases and we're looking at uh uh economy where so many businesses have had to close down or reduce their capacity to try to deal with the pandemic uh, those people are also hurting right now. So there's going to be a recovery time uh, after COVID and after Trump. We're also looking at a massive tax break <laughs> that has effectively sheltered billions of dollars into the hands of the wealthy, keeping it out of the economic flow. I, I swear it was, uh, I swear it had passed $1 trillion this last week. Uh, you know, God, for, I was reading an article, it was talking about Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, and all of them, how much they have accumulated since COVID started. Primarily due to the tax cuts. Primarily due. Right. Well, that was, yeah, that was a start. But then people are still buying more stuff online. And, people are still okay, more spending time. Here's a related point that we talked about um, in our earlier podcast. We we're talking about, you know, you can kind of judge the health of an economy based on how fluid the money is, right? And the money needs to continuously be moving in the economy for it to remain healthy. Uh, but the fact that the top earners are hoarding that money which means it's, it's not locked. being reinjected into the economy, which means it's not being recycled and continuing that movement is the most proof you could ever need for the fact that trickle-down economics are not possible. 
No. Right. You, you, you have to reallocate wealth. You have to stop it from being hoarded. You can't just have, you know, a few wealthy dragons, you know, sitting on their hoarder of gold. You need to have people in your economy having access to the money, being able to earn it, and being able to spend it. Right. Well, Spending yeah. is the, the basis for every economy. Well, right. it yeah. pushes you into a system where it, if, if the richest few are holding on to all of the money and then the few that are left are trying to, like, just get enough to live, you are pushing the, their entire financial well-being based on how much in the forefront in economics we are, right? We're going to be basing it on new technologies generating wealth, new startup companies doing new ideas that haven't been done before, which are generating new wealth, because all of the old wealth is spoken for. Right. Right? So the, the, the amount of money available gets cut even smaller at that point to be spread amongst a much larger portion of the population. It's going to cause, like we've seen, the middle class to con- completely collapse. But it's only going to continue as long as this trend keeps up. Now we're going to see the lower class collapse. Uh, and this oh, is absolutely. this is an economic uh, situation that's definitely going to have to be addressed by the next president because we're already in the thick of it, and it's only going to get worse. No, our, our entire economic and social structure is going to have to change. And I think Andrew Yang was <laughs> essentially the only candidate really talking that about that. That addressed it, even it, at right. all. Right. right, and and it's something that countries all over the world are already talking about, you know. And he even brought automation into it, which is a giant factor when right. we're looking into this because – that's going to cause even more workers to lose what they had, making pennies on the dollar with all the old technologies and monies that were spoken for. Now they're also now in this new job market looking only for the new bleeding edge techs because that's the only way to get new wealth for yourself. Otherwise, you're locked into just making a menial wage working for somebody else. Right, right. And, and the paradigm has to change. We, we can't sit here and say that your wealth, your value is only based off of what you can produce because – very, very quickly, very soon, m- many of us, most of America is not going to be producing anything. You know, automation is taking over. And we're going to have to look, start looking hard into systems like the universal basic income. Well, to, to make sure the universal basic income is funded properly, because that's a big argument people are going to have. Where is this money coming from? Right? Now, Andrew Yang had already covered that, too. Right? We're we going to have so a value-added tax. Yeah, it's like you have all these companies, these big tech companies that are compiling our data, you know, and they're using it to make money for themselves. Mm-hmm. We aren't seeing a dime of that, not yeah. at all. So the value added tax would be there to specifically fund. Well, it could actually it has the potential to fund way more than just a one thousand dollar a month UBI, right? Yeah, you know, but that that in of itself is a fantastic start because very soon we're gonna have. Specifically, like automated transport of goods. We've already started moving away from manufacturing. The idea of no, we need to keep our us back in the industrial age is ludicrous. With yeah. the increase in technology, we need to start moving. You know, jobs. You know, coming back to the the what you produce. Right. You know, that you're only valued by what you produce. That's a manufacturing mentality that we can no longer afford to have. And not just manufacturing. I mean, even retail. I mean, you see kiosks popping up in, in mm-hmm, stores, mm-hmm. left and right, Walmart, McDonald's, you know, where you're getting rid of, of the service industry. You've got robots, essentially, in, in Walmart and whatnot, stocking shelves, cleaning the floors. 
human labor no longer is part of the equation. And right. also, I feel like as long as we are continuing to so highly value the production of a person, we are completely missing out on the value of that person. Right, absolutely. Right? Put the best people in the best jobs for the best things and you will have the best results. As long as you relegate everyone based on their social status or their socioeconomic status to a specific set of jobs, they have so much untapped potential that you have now wasted mm-hmm. that could have benefited the society as a whole. Well, and Chris, that comes back to making education available to the masses. Absolutely. Completely agreed. You know, at, at the very minimum, <laughs> through a bachelor's degree, it, it, it would still require the same, you know, you'd have to have the GPA. You know, if you're able to show that you are driven, you're motivated, that you are, you know, trying to better your life, you should have the opportunity, regardless of where you grew up, regardless of your family's income, to be able to seek that higher education. So here's the thing. Uh, while I agree with the principle, I think that the execution and the idea for that execution is kind of muddled right now, uh, especially in current politics. I'll give you a good example. Our, uh, ever, the discussion, the political discussion right now is based a lot around how people are going to be able to afford college. And I don't think that that's the problem that we need to look at first. It's definitely a huge problem. It's broken. Uh, but we need to like big picture it first real quick, right? Okay. Primary, secondary education needs fixed first. Needs fixed first because honestly, the vast majority of jobs, the vast majority of jobs, when we look at the future, considering automation, are going to be based in skills that you are wholly unprepared for by the time you graduate high school. Right. You have absolutely, like outside of uh, reading, writing, and very basic arithmetic, you... The vast majority of these jobs are completely out of right. reach. Right. There, there's very little because education, education is focused right. on technology. Very so little. I feel like we need to focus less on the pricing of college first mm. and then repair our original education, the free education that the government's providing in elementary through 12th. Uh, well, okay. Hold on. Hold on. Wait, wait, hold on. It's not free. It's paid by tax. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so free people to, understand that. Yeah. Free to the populace. Well, right. a, lot, a lot of people do not correlate, you know, between those things. They don't That's understand true. that we no. pay taxes. That's a real distinction that should be made. You're right, 100 percent on that. Um, so, so when we talk about the the uh, tax supported education, uh, we need to decide whether. We want it to continue to be garbage or not because its goal is to prepare you for life as a citizen, right? Mm-hmm. So that you can contribute to the economy, you can contribute politically you can advance once you're out. But that hasn't changed but in that, 50 that doesn't plus happen. years. Right, which is exactly what I'm saying. That right. needs addressed first. When we're looking at college education, the goal for that was if you wanted to do something advanced, yeah. where you need specialized yep. education. But instead, colleges are playing catch-up. And because getting people into basic educated. jobs. Right. So I feel like if we if we fix our early education system, then not only will the, de- the demand for college lower a bit, which will reduce the prices, yep. but also they won't be able to lord it over people and say, you need a college education if you want to go anywhere in life. See, I feel it's a little bit different, though. I, I feel like if we've addressed our, our economic situation <laughs> to where ostensibly people are liberated. You know, we don't have to go and do these 40-hour-a-week jobs anymore. We have automation taking over. Now the pursuit of knowledge becomes fundamental. You know, it becomes oh, not something... just pursuit yeah. of knowledge, pursuit of arts Pursuit as well, of arts, exactly. Which is just as imperative to a function society. Right. Uh, you you have to restructure your, your 
basic primary education systems to to actually encourage the seeking of knowledge. You know, it's not, yes, we're here to give you basic history, we're basic arithmetic, so that you understand where your civilization came from, but it should be to foster that that need, that yearn to grow and learn more so that we advance even further as a society. Well, I think we do that by fostering thought. It, I feel like our standardized education has gotten us to a point where we are looking for answers to questions instead of understanding of concepts. Oh, right? absolutely. And that, that started you, back when we were young. Oh, absolutely. Totally agreed. I, I, I uh, You guys know, uh, my parents pulled me out of public education uh, to teach me a more religious uh, homeschool uh, curriculum. I actually didn't. Uh, seventh grade. Oh. Se- oh, seventh grade. I, I knew yeah. that. But, so, um, so junior high, my parents pulled me out of school too. Guess uh, you're just not as good as a friend as I am. Oh, uh, anyway, I'll never begrudge the bond between the two. (laughs) So I got kind of a a unique perspective because I went from, you know, my mom doesn't read English or write English. Uh, and my dad had five kids, uh, and worked, uh, low income factory job to support, you know, this many kids. So, uh, it was interesting to me that even though, widely left to my own devices and learning uh, with benchmarks, you know, that I needed to meet and everything that my natural inclination was to want to understand. Correct. Which I think is a human inclination, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We, we want to make sense of the world around us. Uh, that was being stifled in a public education environment where they're saying, no, use this method to get your answers. Right. Because we care more about this method, despite knowing for sure that there are other methods being used in other countries that work as well or better uh, than the system that we're using, this is the method that we want you to use, which doesn't show mastery or understanding. It mm-hmm. only shows that you are able to follow directions, which is not the goal well, in school. No, no. Well, that's because the education system is still designed to produce factory workers. It's still designed wow. to produce soldiers. They're designed designed to produce people who are able to be obedient and follow directions. But when both factory workers and soldiers become automated entirely, where does that leave people with a public education? You know, okay, so some of that I feel like was attempted to being addressed, you know, essentially through the uh, the Common Core programs and stuff, where you're not just, you know, I, I know there's a lot of detractors on Common Core, but having taken, having taken advanced mathematics, you know, calculus-level classes... I see now how Common Core functions to teach you the theory behind how it works. It's not, hey, this is how you add 1 plus 1, 2 plus 2. It actually shows you that there are a million ways to consider things. There are substitutions you can make and variables and approach problems from many different angles. And there's been so much pushback on that from the older generations who said, this isn't how I learned it. Right. This is is wrong. I can't follow this. I have no idea what's going on. How many of our advancements were because somebody looked at a problem that everyone had looked at and thought was insolvable from a slightly different perspective, which changed the system that they were using, which improved that model to the point that that problem became solvable. Like, that has happened repeated. That's literally how science works. Yeah, no, I mean... (laughs) It's happened repeatedly through history. I'm I'm reminded of of the anecdote where, uh, you know, a company spends, you know... Millions of dollars developing a machine to determine the weight of packages as they come off the assembly line, you know, in case, you know, the the machine didn't package it right. If the box is empty, you know, the weight sensor will go off. You get an engineer in there 
who who looks at the problem. He says, "All right, well, we'll just set up a, a fan here to blow, and if the box is empty, it's going to blow off the, <laughs> the conveyor belt." You know, you looked at right. it from a different angle and found a very simple, very effective solution. Right. You know? Exactly. And, and as long there, as there's are, genius and simplicity. Right. And, and as long as we are constraining people and forcing people into only one train of thought. We are going to lose all of that creativity and that originality and that unique perspective, which not only is the 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 best engine to drive capitalism, but it's also the best benefit to having so many perspectives in the United States, to having a melting pot. I don't feel like it right. works well with capitalism. Capitalism is based off of resource allocate or resource hoarding, not allocation. Oh, it's well, based on the exponential a... increase of profits, which anything that increases exponentially within the medical field is called cancer. Right, <laughs> but what increases right. profits the most exponentially? Productivity. Incorrect. Incorrect advancement of technology. Which is productivity. We just talked about... It is productivity. We just talked about automation. Right. Like, but literally. That's, that's productivity. It's never-ending productivity. Exactly. It's never... Advance your technology... Okay, which is why, you know, specifically in China, they are leaps and bounds ahead of us with the 5G setup right. throughout their nation, and they are seeing a continuing boom, and yeah. people here are still demonizing it, saying they're death <laughs> towers. Yeah. You know, they're, they're complaining that they're being built in their name. You know, it's interesting, too, when you take the American view uh, in general of, uh, like, I'm half Korean, uh, you take the American view of, of Asia, and you ask people what they think about china and a lot of people's opinion is that it's like overcrowded insanely poor people in rags still practicing <laughs> that's, that's american propaganda yeah it, that's it, american yeah propaganda. absolutely like it, same thing with japan it, it, which is crazy to me because these are two of the like most advanced technological nations in the world right like, well i mean well that's because they they'll see selected propagandized photos of more slum areas that are going to exist anywhere that you have civilization sure. unfortunately unfortunately i yeah. wish we wasn't that case i wanted well, to is it though i mean you look at countries like communist countries and, and places like russia and the former you know russian satellites where they still embraced a lot of their communistic principles and they've got like homeless or home owner rates at like 98%, 95%. And here in the States, it's at 63%. 63%. Yeah. They're, they're beating us 30% more of their population. Center for Bureau of Statistics guys. Right. You're wondering, but you know, um, you guys said something earlier and, and I want to touch on that a little bit. Um, you mentioned, you know, military, you know, where, where does our military go? in this this age of, of automation you know where for many the military is a route out of poverty it, it is a route to do something more with yourself to better yourself yeah, and then the incentives like or the gi bill right. exactly yeah. you know i mean it's going to require our society is going to have to be required to well, have a massive shift because well i mean that's because you still if need, you want socialism you have to join the military <laughs> yeah you you still need you still need a military you know yeah. But you always need a military. But there's got to be an incentive, and it will always be staffed. It just won't be staffed with these numbers. No, well, I mean, even our numbers now, and and there's been a lot of complaints. Oh, the Obama administration slashed, you know, the military budget and removed all these, these it soldiers. Was still leaps and bounds above spending and soldier numbers compared to right. the next ten nations. Right. We we still have a very very massive and functional military, but it's it's not necessary. I mean. Well, the only I'm reason not it supporting is drone strikes, but... our current our current government structure, 
The United States has effectively been at war for all except for 18 years of our existence. Yeah. We, we, the, the idea, and you know, there's still... War is part of our business. Right, exactly, Chris. And uh, going back to Pew Research, which I love, I mean, personally, it might not be everybody's cup of tea for statistics. And, you know, everybody's like, ah, statistics can be whatever you want. But I find them to be the most non-political and most accurate from anything that I've seen. And they were, they had a, one of the questions. Not specific, sponsored by Pew Research. No, no we, are, we are absolutely not. But if you, you wanted to. You sounded as hell there. Yeah. You coughing up some of that cash that you're getting from these Hey, guys. they start paying me and my opinion of them will slightly change. I'll tell you that. Okay, anyways. Anyways. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not endorsing them, guys, uh, by anything but my personal opinion. They're not a sponsor of our show. But one of the questions that they had asked, uh, this is from 2018 survey, and, and it was, you know, specifically along political lines. One of the questions they ask is, what is the U.S.'s position in correlation to the rest of the world? And it was like 54% of Republicans think that we should police them, that we belong out there. And I, I don't understand that mentality. We are not the policemen of the world. We should, you know, you can be a superpower without being at war. China has not been at war. They have a they have a huge standing army, sure, but their their processes to get to the the state of, you know, exceptional wealth they are in now was not done by policing other nations. No, most of it was done through market manipulation and currency, which is true. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that that China is the the golden example of what we should be. That's not what I'm saying. Right. I'm saying, you know, comparing our nation to to another nation of actually way larger than us, you know, and a different governing structure, the mentality here that we have to be policing of the world is, is ludicrous to have maintain our power. I feel like drilling yeah. into that mentality that you're talking about, I think, is, is a problem that we have in America with absolutism, where we have a hard time understanding the fact that our values personally are not shared across the globe. Yeah, we're the Karens we of the world. We value different things. Certainly there are, are commonalities and core values, right? Like, you know, making sure your family can eat and are safe. Sure, everybody in the world believes these things. Uh, but how we interpret values and how we understand values and how we believe in our values are totally different than they are anywhere else in the world. Right. Every ethnic group has their own things that they find most important to them every family has things that they find most important to them and each individual has things that they find most important to them that doesn't exist only here in america we kind of take that a little bit for granted we think japanese people think this way and russian people think this way and chinese people are this way that is not the case every person in the world is an individual with their own desires and their own motivations and until we start to understand that those will not align with ours, and that doesn't make them wrong or us right, we're going to continue to have this problem. Except when it comes to the shifting of technology from <laughs> you know physical manufacturing to technology. That, even though that might be a personal opinion, the fact and the reality is that's what's happening, and that's where we're going. I just want yeah. to get us back on track to what we're talking about. Right, so I mean... We did rabbit hole a bit. We, we, we did. did, we did. It's a spiral... So, so, yeah, we're, we're facing a, a real situation with our entire economy essentially changing overnight. I mean, as you stated earlier, tens of millions of people have lost their jobs. 
tens of millions of jobs have been eliminated, like never coming back. You know, yeah. A lot of people are, or a lot of companies are finding that people can work from home. You right, know, that, that's, that, that's a paradigm shift that needs to happen and needs to be accepted universally here in the States. Right. I think it is something that we can also easily speculate on because we've seen it already in other industries. Look at and the number other of countries. People, and other absolutely, countries. but look at the number of people that were forced out of agriculture uh, when, we, when we hit the Industrial Revolution. We mm-hmm. started having mm-hmm. machines do some of the agricultural work for us. To the point where now we have combines that are doing the work of hundreds of people a day. Well, and even then you had themselves. people arguing against it, you know, saying that. The Luddites. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Anytime that there's a change in technology that requires a change in a paradigm shift of the entire country and or world, there's going to be an older generation yeah. that's fighting and rallying against it. Because it's going to change our politics. It's going to change our economy. It's going to change our lives. It sets new standards. It, it changes the entire system. Uh, each technological advance has done that. Look at the computer age. Look at how many jobs now have lost to automation because computers exist. Uh, how many switchboard operators do you guys know? <laughs> Zero. Zero. I mean, you still have, have them essentially like in, in hospitals and stuff. But um, <sighs> the, the problem is, though, is that the, the ones who are mostly in charge of our government right now are the older generation. You know, and I'm not saying that term limits are the solution. They are. They they are they're part of the solution. They, they are part of the solution, but the real they're issue part is of a solution. Right. Is, is that um, we just think we we need the older generation to understand that it's time to retire. We we need the younger generations out there becoming active in politics, starting to actually replace these people, these lifelong senators and congressmen and women. You know. To where we can actually embrace new ideas, new technology. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we we see here at the very beginning of the Trump administration where his, his first real big push was to, you know, reinvigorate the coal industry. You know, and, and we, I discussed this already. <laughs> you know, coal's not the future. Coal is done. It might still be holding on here and there. Coal's not even the recent past. <laughs> no, coal's gone. You know, and and there's well. Been... Then the argument is, well, what what are these people going to do for work? This is all they've known their sometimes, entire lives. New sometimes I almost feel well. They're, like... they're too old. They're old. Too, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you know, you no, say new good. technologies. You know, look at their their average working you know age. It's in the late fifties. You know, they they've been doing this their majority of their lives. So why do they need to work? I agree. Why, why do, do they, they need, to need to work? I feel like some of our older, stauncher Republicans that are supporting things like coal have found out. That the planet is doomed, so they're just like, well, we don't have to deal with that, so fuck it, bring back coal. Yeah, no, like, yeah, I don't, let's get rich before it all goes to shit. I don't understand that mentality at all. Well, it's it's because they're it's about yourself. It's not planning for the future of your civilization. It's not I'm, planning I mean, for your decisions. I feel like, it, like I said before, everyone's got different motivations, and maybe there are are good reasons to support it that I do not know about. But I will say, take it on the face. It seems like a horrible decision. I'd say you're right. Yeah, I I'd mean, say you're right. I mean, that there really aren't any beneficial aspects. I don't aspects really want to like sit here in a position where I think I know better than everybody else. But uh, well, you're you're concurring with experts. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, not like you form this, this opinion a in, in a vacuum. Yeah. This is what the experts. This is I, what I try to concur with the experts and well, scientists well, but, and engineers but, are saying. But, but this goes oh. back to all three of us here are you know we're, we're questioning beings. We're critical thinkers. You know, yes, we go along with the experts, but because it is the most logical sense. Not just because they're experts, right? Well, I mean, right. I think that's the thing. 
it's a good idea to understand and it is a good idea to 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 seek understanding from people who have more knowledge or wisdom in that particular area than you do but finding one person in that community that agrees with you is not getting the advice of the experts no, that's the outlier i'm going to throw that out there that's the outlier <laughs> and, and that's that's been guilty for a long time especially Everybody by Republican does it. people really like having their personal biases being confirmed. Right. Confirmation bias. Right. It so, makes us feel good on the inside. Well, then you also have, you know, malicious industries who pay for, you know, contradictory research themselves. I mean, the oil industry oh, yeah. has been very guilty of or it. Or people right. online. Other just, industries. Uh, people online can just straight up make it up and put it in a Facebook article and share that stuff out. And suddenly, three million people believe some garbage that you came up with. Well, well Russia's doing that to, to influence elections. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, mean, yeah, that's the power of technology. That's the power of right. It, it, I feel it, like it, that's it, a little bit more of a concerted effort, though. Yeah, but I know people that'll do it just for the chaos. Well, there are some people that yeah that 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 thrive on that, or they enjoy tripping people up, or you know, it's the same people that I and I feel like this is terrible, and these people really need really need to be caught. And, Deep therapy. <laughs> well, no, the people that are doing things like. Uh, you know, if you're having this problem, take this and it'll help you. But then they'll tell them to take something that's poisonous. Or yeah. if you do this, it'll help with this specific problem. But they tell them to do something that'll like like Oleander them or... from the My Pillow guy. Yeah, it's, I, you do see not it on Facebook a lot. Oleander. Right, you see it on Facebook a lot, uh, and they're like, "Ha ha, it's a joke." And some people get it and they'll put it in the comments. But my thought is always. What about the people that don't know that's a joke? Right. What well, about was it the a joke? I mean, was Trump would you joking fi- about injecting bleach? How would you feel if you found out <laughs> he that claims somebody he was, that you knew died because of some joke that you put on Facebook? Like, we got to be a little more conscientious of what we're saying. I, a little more conscientious. I don't, well, what I don't know, doing. but then the argument is, the argument is, well, you know, without the warning labels, how will people know? That's how we all all these lawsuits. And then that comes back to lack of education. Lack of being able to think critically, lack of seeking knowledge. Well, it's yeah. all—it's also—it's not just lack of education because people shouldn't have to be educated in every single subject, as I stated no, earlier. No, but you should know better than sitting your arm in the in the lawnmower. Right. right. Yeah. You know, but that, a, a lot of it, it it comes from the condemnation and the the just derog, derogatory comments and remarks about experts, about you know masters of the field. You know that the Republican Party is. Pushing onto people. Let me, how, let me hold that thought. But how quick. are we expected to enforce that if we have a president that's telling people to drink bleach or shine lights in their bodies to help with COVID? You know? Right. So going back to the tens of millions of people without a job, 22 million jobs were lost at the start of COVID. Half of them have been reinstated. But since then, other jobs have been lost. More people have been laid off. And of those 11 million jobs, people are probably not getting those jobs back. Companies are finding a way to do more with less while still paying people the same. Or going out of business. Or right going, going out of business. Yeah, right there's a lot, you, yeah, you've got a, a lot of that right Record now. numbers of businesses closing. But yeah. then the ones that theaters are, now that people, you know, that, that comes back to we need to be able to support the arts. You know, movies are kind of... Well, and then a lot of the ones that, that are staying open are profiting, you know, record levels. And, and it, it's just... 
it's it's and very it's not giving their employees any yeah. raises. And also, right. but look at that view of financial security in America alone, right there. Look at the businesses that are closing. It's it, nobody's big's closing. Nobody big is even losing that much money. A lot of them are making a lot of money right now. No, it's it's mostly small business. It's, it's all small business. Small and medium businesses are getting crushed. And they right pushed now. out the CARES Act, trying to say, hey, you can get these PPP loans that will float you through this this crisis. And then they went to. You know, multi-million dollar companies. Right. They set up no restrictions, no regulations on it. And you see a lot of Republican legislators and, and business owners cashing Picking in on these loans penny. immediately because yep. they, ha- they had money to begin with. You know, it's like, and I've got a million dollars. And they do before it even passed. I've, I've got my accountants out here who've already been prepped on this bill before it passed. Like you just stated, Aaron. You know, I've got my application to the government the minute that the bill was signed. Mm-hmm. You know, what What are all these small businessmen who are hearing about it on the news two days later going to do? Mm-hmm. Nothing. They're going to close and the doors. Know, and here's another thing. Like, I know that we all want to put our trust in our politicians and have faith in them or whatever. Uh, but how can you say that they're going to be unbiased when they see a bill like that? Knowing that they will immediately qualify. This will immediately benefit them. I feel I find it very hard to believe that that doesn't in some ways t- taint their bias towards that bill. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. That, I mean, that's it, a fact. But that, that that falls back on a, the problem with the populace and to where we we essentially get into cults of personality. You know, we're not looking for the best representatives. We're looking for the most popular representatives. Yeah. And and then it it also goes to the fact that there is no structural oversight. You know, there should be litigation. Or there, there, there should be laws and prohibitions preventing lawmakers from benefiting directly from bills that they're that they're creating. Well, that was the argument whenever they would give themselves a raise and wouldn't go into effect until the the following Congress, right? You know, right. Oh, like, well, it's oh, not for oh, us. It's oh. not for us. It's for, yeah. But then we have to look at how many of them still profited because they're still in office, which comes back to term limits are part of the solution. Yeah. Oh, which to clarify earlier. When we were talking about term limits, I do absolutely support term limits. When I said it was a solution, not the solution, I'm saying there's definitely more than one solution. Oh, uh, yeah. But all of the good ones do involve term limits. Uh, that needs to be a thing. I agree with term limits to an extent, but I feel like essentially what it should be is that once you become a public servant, your access to, to capital, to wealth is shut off, period. You nor your immediate family or even your slightly extended family, none of you should be able to benefit from wealth, period. Like you right. become... It should not compromise your ability to do your job. That's why even Jimmy Carter you know, let go of his peanut farm when he became president. Right, he, he rolled it into a blind trust, which right. actually was not a blind trust. He discovered that it wasn't a proper blind trust and then closed the regulations around it so that it w- nobody else could use that loophole, and he fixed it and, and set it forward in a blind trust from there. But Never essentially, say Jimmy Carter didn't do anything. Right. <laughs> essentially, the, the the representatives just because he didn't do much doesn't mean he didn't right, do anything. Right. He he did plenty. But <laughs> yeah, the, the representatives the once once you get into into yeah. Congress or whatever, that should be your wealth period, your your paycheck, and it should be enough to provide for your entire and also, family. I will say this: the and idea, I, the idea that anyone would say that you could put your business in a blind trust and not profit off of it anymore. Is a garbage opinion. Oh, especially uh, because you still technology. know you own those companies, right. so you still can uh, adjust legislature or deny legislature or encourage legislature that will benefit you ultimately. Those, yeah, yeah, promote those interests. Right. So, so how how likely would you be to vote on a bill 
to let's an agriculture bill or something allowing purchasing of, of broad swaths of land, knowing that you could never get back into agriculture ever again once you become a, a congressman. Or none of your family members could go into that industry. Yeah. The only wealth that, you're, that you or your family is making is your lifelong paycheck as a congressman. I don't know if it should be that strict. I feel like that's stripping a lot of people of rights to become president, which I'm not sure is the best way <laughs> well, to go. Well, that still like falls under a, public servant. That still yeah, falls under public servant. I feel like there's got to be a better option, though, than a blind trust. Like, I mean, the way, the way I'm looking at it is, is if you don't have those types of protections and then you institute term limits, you're essentially going to have just rounds of people coming in and cashing out and creating legislation that benefits them as much as possible, knowing that, hey, I'm only going to be here for two to four years. But I can't say it'll be really easy to see. Uh, you can always tell when that's happening, when there's a lack of transparency or a lack of honesty from a candidate or from an elected official, you know immediately that your interests are no longer the first thing on their mind. Well, I mean, that has been evident for the vast majority of the elected officials for, for as long majority as majority of our lives. Yeah. But people don't believe that anymore. They hop on these party bandwagons and suddenly somebody can do no wrong. Right. The team mentality. Maybe that's people what's part of the, that, yeah. the divide from this year. There was no sports, so everybody just hopped into their public politic teams and went well, to I that. Mean, Americans love teams. And <laughs> you know, we we've got it we've parsed it down to a very easy decision. Choose the left or choose the right. Choose the red. Choose the blue. Whatever you you only get two choices, but that's all you need. No, you know, no. Pick a team. No, you got a fifty percent no. chance of being a right. winner. <laughs> pick one of these teams, neither of which care about you. Neither of which. <laughs> and these are the only two options that you get because we want your money. <laughs> right. We don't care about any of the rest. We don't care about our money. They care about the money. This this was yeah. a play. This was a play. You got played. <laughs> neither of these people care about you, but we're gonna say those are your only two choices. Right. You will believe me. Well, I mean, what other choices do you actually have? What other choices do you have? Tons of choices. They, they have eliminated the, the ability for third-party candidates to gain any kind of traction on national elections. And really, well, the only and way... Even in, state, even in states, there's so many regulations people, as far as even forming a party and getting the proper documentation. Only until people understand what's going on. No, we've been waiting a long time. I think yeah, we'll keep waiting for longer. If we, if we wait, it will be long after we're dead. Yeah, that, that's... That's the thing. If we just I don't continue. know. I feel like the information age has helped us a lot more than you guys will give it credit for. Like, how many more people... Like, look, just look at uh, age to party affiliation. Like, we're seeing the younger generation more and more Democratic, right? Mm-hmm. Less and less Republican. I feel like that's only going to continue for as long as information is widely available. But are they engaged? They might identify as Democratic, but do they actually engage? And in the no, they don't process? because they're disenfranchised. they'll have to. Eventually, Event, well, you, but that how are they be going part to, of our lifetime? But we still have fifty percent of, of Americans who don't even vote, who don't vote in any election at all. And I mean, Shaquille O'Neal just voted well, for the it's, first it's time. Fifty percent, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And, I, don't, I doubt you're listening, Shaquille, but if, if you are, not, if you are, big ups. <laughs> Appreciate it. Also, big ups on like being open about that. I think that's a really cool thing to say. Like, I've never voted before, but. I wanted to get involved, and I needed to know and understand how it works. He's also got his doctorate in education. Yeah, well, I mean, he yeah, got that before he voted. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, no, no, that's awesome. I didn't know that. I didn't know he had a doctorate in education. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's like a MDE. I'm not, I'm not sure the exact thing, that it, but is it's crazy and it's in awesome. history. It's in history. He, he's written his, historical oh, texts. Oh man, I need yeah. to check that out. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> awesome. 
You know, he's more than just a one-trick pony. I mean, well, I mean yeah. Well, phenomenal basketball player. Shaquille's out here making us all look bad. Right? Yeah. Oh, wah, wah, That's what we should all, we should all aspire to be Shaquille O'Neal. Right? I just need, you know, size 40 shoes and to be seven I just want to be as tall, tall as he is. That's not true. I don't want to be as tall as he is. If I was a little bit taller. I, I just want to be yeah. a little taller. Not that tall. Just, just a few inches I'd taller. I'd hit my head on everything. So, yeah. I mean, what, what were you saying, though, Aaron? You, you were saying, like, Term, term limits, you, you feel, are the, the best way to go. Absolutely. We have a Congress that the average age of uh, in the Senate is just, I think it's at like 61 One of the 62. oldest Congresses in history. Right. And, and it has been for and, the last and, and in the Well, decade. that was in the Senate. In the Congress, the average age is 56. The average age of the American population is my age, 37. Okay? Oh, so there, there should be more more of us than more of them. There should be. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you have older generations that are in the, my, you know, they're definitely not even close to the median of the country. How can you expect them to be able to vote based on that change of the demographic? How can you expect them to be able to relate? Yeah. Well, they, they can't. They, like, they, they, they went already, to college by working a part-time job over the summer. I'm finally getting you to know? the point in my life where I realize that I'm, I'm, I'm getting older now because there's now a generation to which I cannot relate the same way that i feel like i relate to everybody else like there's a generation that never knew a time before the internet mm-hmm. before they could connect with anybody that they knew at any moment of the day uh before uh any type of virtual interaction existed that that that's crazy to me and it's very very hard to understand that mentality of being born where that's the commonplace norm versus our perspective where that was the new, interesting, cool technology of our age. That we Something grew up we with saw and we adopted. And right, we, exactly. We taught ourselves how to, right. to program, how to do HTML. But now there to... are kids that can program basic C-sharp programs in junior high like it's nothing. Yeah. Don't even actually realize what they're doing. And then yeah. that was an entirely Something they got big interested in on their own and taught right. themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I mean, this comes back to... What you were saying about homeschooling. Because I actually homeschooled for three years, too. I think I've told you that before. Mm-hmm. I've told you both yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had actually asked my father a few years ago, even before before I was homeschooling, even when I was homeschooling, was there ever a time or ever a day that you came and asked me, what did you learn today that I had nothing to say? He said, absolutely not. You were always driven. You were always motivated. You always had something more to share with me than you did the last time I asked. And it wasn't just one thing. It was a plethora of things because I was engaged and I was focusing on yeah. myself. And that comes back to this younger generation. This is this technology is so ingrained in part of their lives that they want to know it. They want to understand it because it will you know, help them, not just in the future, but right now, be able to communicate, share memes, you know, make their own websites. Well, yeah, that, uh, like, and also, like, to kind of point out that mentality shift that you're talking about, just like look at the number of times that we, when we were children, were told... You have to learn how to do this. You'll never have a calculator on you to do right. this. <laughs> right? But now, I, I, I'm i not saying that we shouldn't teach people. I, I, that was not the point here. The point is that they were 100% wrong on what the future was going to look like. Right, right. Now, now in your pocket, you like. have a computer. Now in my pocket, I have a calculator. Right, I'm, I'm more I'm than a calculator. Yeah, that, your pocket calculator, your computer in your pocket is more powerful than the ships that actually went to the moon for the first time. Right, right. Oh, I mean... <laughs> No, no, no. So Far we've, we've gone over powerful. before. Both both Scott and I are scientists, and I cannot tell you. I, I, I must tell you actually. I do not do simple math in my head anymore. You know, even some of the more like 
quote unquote advanced algebra. I still use my calculator. It's it's right there. I have a calculator yeah. with me all the time. I feel I, like there are things that people should learn. Yeah, well, I feel like uh, definitely everybody should learn how to use Excel. Yes, Excel, Excel is phenomenal. Is yeah, certainly. Every every single calculation I've ever needed to make, as long as I know how to actually write the calculation out, how it's formulated. Enjoying it. So as long as I can formulate an equation. I can I can have pretty much anything I ever need calculated in Excel. It's a wondrous piece of technology. More people should learn it. But I think the the biggest impact that new technology is going to have isn't necessarily on mathematical programs or anything like that. I, I think one of the things that we're overlooking as as an older generation because it, it hasn't been as much of an impact in our lives is the social aspect of technology. Totally you know, agreed. These kids nowadays are connected to their peers twenty four seven. You know, when, when we were kids, it's like you had your playtime with your kids after with, with the other kids after school, and then you were cut off and it was back to family. Kids nowadays are are in the loop twenty four seven, and that's proved proven detrimental in a lot of situations, especially yeah. when you have like cyberbullying and and a lot of suicide occur occurring because of it. But I mean, the social circles never end. The, the kids are always connected. You're you're privy to being part of every aspect of your peers' life, and they of yours. You know, and that, that's that. I think also is going to be a is a big cultural shift because it used to be, you know, this was my public persona, and then this is my private persona at home. Well, now you're exposed twenty four seven. Now who you are is who you are all the time. Yeah, and I think that shift can be seen in a lot of different fields too. Like when we were growing up, uh, the concept of social marketing, social advertising, didn't exist. No, not at all. That I was mean, not something that existed. Well, I mean, it, it did to some extent. You you had you know like on like Cartoon Networks or Nickelodeon or whatever. I mean, you had you had but social that wasn't marketing really towards social children. marketing. No, people weren't sharing that socially. The most you might get out of that was somebody saying, "Hey, did you see that commercial? It was pretty cool, or it was really funny." The Budweiser frogs, like the, Super Bowl commercials. Right, right, yeah, right, right, right. right. Like, that was that was a highlight. But now, like advertising. Uh, political information, uh, uh, fashion information, uh, like every everything is a social. Experience. Every aspect of our lives has changed because of it. Uh, well, except maybe, what about medical? <laughs> how, how does medical, you know, the medical world tie into the social media? I, I don't feel like it really. I mean, I know now they're developing, you know, apps for like, you know, teleconferencing with yep. doctors and whatnot. But I mean, nobody's out there really sharing their biometric information. But I mean, the medical. Oh man, we got people having discussions on WebMD on what their symptoms might mean. Well, I mean, it, I feel like a lot of that is because of the the lackluster healthcare that we have in this nation. Though, I mean, you have to turn to resources like WebMD to find out what's going on with you, right? Because be, you can't uh, just you can't go can't to the doctor. That. You can't afford it. Their Even virtual is absolutely linked to our failure <laughs> in, in healthcare. Right? That's exactly. True. Yeah, because the average American family can't afford a four hundred dollar. Emergency costs. No, seventy percent of Americans have less than a thousand dollars in savings. Yeah, and I, I fit into these demographics, guys. Personally, I do too. yeah. yeah. Uh, the 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 reality is is that our medical system is a failure. It's a flop. The only people who are benefiting of, of it are the owners of the hospitals and the pharmaceutical industry and the wealthy uh, the insurance executives and the insurance insurance executives. Yeah. That's something else that whoever becomes president is going to have to deal with in this coming year. Well, Biden has displayed no interest whatsoever in, in changing the system. He he. Well, 
well, he wants, the ACA as being yeah, you know, the most... Yeah, he's doubling down I, on it. He does, right. he does, but yeah. he does say that he believes there should be a public option, which is a step in the right direction. You know, whether that's actually going to go through or not, I don't know. You see how much has been rallying against the Obamacare, which is the same thing as the Affordable Care Act, in case nobody understands that. Yeah. I mean, we, we, <laughs> are, we are one of the... Uh, most advanced nations in the world, and yet we are one of the very few that can't seem to figure out that healthcare is a right, and that it's having a successfully linked to the health and the well-being and of success of society. Right, right. You have to provide for the health of your citizens to have a, a society, to have a civilization. Is that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Right, and I mean, well, life know, being the life, yeah. liberty, and 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 property is also mentioned in the Bill of Rights. Yeah, so I feel because like, pursuit uh, of happiness kind of was the pursuit of property at the yeah, time. Yeah, well, I mean that's fair, but I feel like uh, life is the most important of those three because <laughs> you need it for any of the other ones. Right. right. Yeah, if you don't have life. Yeah. A good luck having Healthcare any liberty. Seems like if you're an dead. important part of that equation. So I mean, yeah, the whole life equation. Trump in his uh, steroid inflamed manic episode tweeted out, you know, talking about, um, oh, uh, su- support or save pre-existing condition pro- protections. Vote. You know, I was just like, that, they, that's totally wrong this? because uh, you are directly in court right now, trying fighting. To, yep, get that the, a- trying to, the ACA out outlawed. That's trying to overturn it. Which would then kick, you know, was, I th- think the demographic was 20 million people. 20 million. 20 million American citizens off the healthcare they currently have due to pre-existing condition clause. And that's not counting the, the tens of millions of people who have already lost their healthcare from losing employment anyway. Which, back to Joe Biden, says he's totally fine. He wants healthcare to be tied to employment. And yet we're sitting here for the, this last hour discussing how many of us won't be having jobs in the future because of automation, because of the changing paradigm of our society. Yeah. You cannot tie healthcare to productivity. You cannot tie healthcare to work. Also, well, uh, talking <laughs> about automation and productivity, uh, that also has held true in the medical industry. Uh, productivity yeah. is up thanks to automation, and it's getting cheaper and cheaper for them to produce medicines. And, and yet more expensive seeing, for our yeah. nation. We're not seeing We're that not return. We're not seeing any return on that. And, and well, and that comes back to, too, that a lot of the development of drugs and pharmaceutical companies is actually driven and funded by our government. Yeah. Well, and then they get to they get to they get to profit off of our taxes that went to developing that drug. And they charge us again for the charges again for the medicine. No, I will say that and, was one thing that, that Biden did mention in the debate that I thought was was uh, a good thing for him to mention uh, as garbage as that debate was on both sides uh you know we we did used to believe in science and we, we used to be we used to be invested in being the best and being at the bleeding edge of technology uh but our investments in that have grown smaller and smaller it's shrinking like our investments into the arts and Which our investments in education completely linked to the demonization of intellectualism yeah, it's inextricably yeah. linked. Yeah, you know, that, that, and who is the driving force behind that? What entity is the driving force behind that? Well, there's also, I, I would say, uh, a, a certain amount of momentum behind the idea that intelligence makes somebody better, which is also no, false. That's not the case. Uh, but but the, expertise and intelligence are not the same thing. Correct. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, intelligence will help you get places, but and it will help get you, you and help you become an expert yeah. in your chosen field. But hard work and will also make you exactly. into an expert. Absolutely. That that was kind of what I was leading to. Like 
hard work is the better part of that formula. It's right. the more important part of that formula. You could be a genius and do nothing and Absolutely. get nowhere. And you cannot be very adept in a field and put hard work into it and become very adept in a field. Right. Actually, this was something that I, I actually hated about my high school band teacher. He actually told me because I he saw I was talented. Right. I I, uh, I played I played uh, the trombone. I was very good at it, and I, I loved playing it, but I never practiced. And he said to me, Aaron, people like you, and this was wrong of him to say, <laughs> people like you I despise because you have talent and you think you don't need to work for it. Now, at the time, I was really just heartbroken about it, but, and to an extent, it was still fucked up that he said that to me. But it's true. It comes back to but how not much necessarily how... not valid. Right. It wasn't an <laughs> invalid, invalid statement. Yeah. It, 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 you know, we we need to strive for greatness, and we need to work hard at the things that we want to excel at. And if you don't, you are going to stagnate. Yep. Period. Well, I, I don't think that everybody has the capability to do anything, but I, I think agree that, with that I think that most people have the capability to do several things. You know, you. I think that most people have the capability to do far more than they would ever believe that they could do. Right, and that comes back to, as you guys were saying earlier, our education system, which is designed just to make you a compliant worker, you know, um, not really push you or motivate you to really grow beyond your balance. Or to even help you discover where your talents may lie. Right. No, no. And, and, and that, that is a big change we're going to need in our society. We're going to need to, to have the education, healthcare, economics, all of these things are changing and have to be changed. Environmental protection. You said a minute ago, you know, Joe Biden's like, oh, yeah, we rely on the science. Well, and then he turns around, you know, a day later and has Kamala coming out. Oh, well, Joe Biden supports fracking. Well, fracking, yeah. Fracking. How? It's like, where, where's the science on that, Joe? Where's the science? Because I've I'll, seen it, and well, it's, it's not, not good, good for you. That, that's yeah. that's, that's because, and I hate, I hate, you know, just kicking this dead horse. But, uh, that, that, that comes back to Republicans and Democrats and our presidential candidates are bought and paid for. The majority of Americans support getting rid of fracking. The majority of Americans Over support... Over 70%. Yeah, that's right. The majority of Americans support Medicare for all or a single-payer tax, you know, single-payer Again, over system. 70%. Right. Uh, the, a lot of are, our hotbed issues, most of our hotbed issues, Americans have already made up their mind about and are generally in agreement. Right, and the, the, that's... A few podcasts ago, I stated, you know, a great majority of these issues, Republicans and Democrats, not the parties, but the people, align on the majority of these yeah, things. Yeah, like Republicans, you aren't going to like to hear this, but a lot of Democrats' views on abortion match yours. Yeah. That's why late-term abortions aren't really a thing. And Democrats, you're not going to like this too much, but Republicans generally agree with you on the fact that there needs to be some sort of paper trail behind a gun that people need to have licenses to have yep. them. Right. And most Americans understand that. But our parties will not tell you that. No, they want to keep that us That is not how it's represented. Keep us divided. Um, but <laughs> at the end of the day, though, it, it does fall back on us as the people to keep our representatives accountable. And in this current system, we really don't have that other than the vote. As it stands, um, I mean, I, I have seen recently with the addition of a lot of progressives into the Democratic Party, you know, there are, there are things changing. I saw, you know, just uh, earlier this week where 
um, the House voted for protections and bailouts or whatever for big oil. And then you see the squad with Ilhan and AOC adamantly opposed to it. The, the House is run by Democrats. So, yeah, it's just like you guys are saying. They're cashing in from the same people. These parties are only looking out for themselves. And it's going to come down to the people choosing the right people to become representatives 100%. and not choosing the right parties. Yeah, we've talked about it before. <coughs> Any type of movement has to be uh, grassroots in this environment where it's never going to go anywhere. They're choking everything out, but they can't choke out all of us, right? Yeah, no. That means we got to start at the local level. You can only silence so many level. voices. Right, so you got to start at the local level. you got to support the people that believe what you believe at the local level, not because you're told to believe what they believe, but because you actually do. And then it will progress, but it has to start there. Well, a lot of it comes down to campaign finance reform because, you know, Aaron was saying earlier, you know, all of, all of our, our representatives and Congress members and stuff are all in the, the boomer age category. They're, they're the wealthy. They're the ones who have acquired millions of dollars to run these massive campaigns. How would any of us be able to compete in, in, in a Senate or Congress race? You know, we, we have no capital. Yeah. We, we don't have millions of dollars to sit on. Yeah. And that's endemic to our entire generation. We are like the poorest generation in history so far. Yeah. You know? If you don't believe us, please go to the Bureau of Statistics and check that out because it's based on census data. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and essentially that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to remove money from politics. We're going to have to do a lot. This, the entire country needs reform. Yeah. And I think we can get there. I think it's going to be a painstaking process. And the most important thing, though, is that we really do need to keep our environment functional to where all of us can even survive in it to have these discussions it's and like have that these life, movements. liberty, pursuit of happiness discussion right. we had earlier. Right. Life is kind of the most important part of that. We got to make sure that still happens. Well, guys, it looks like the pizza's here. You, you guys ready to take a break and yeah, man, I'm just about three sheets to the wind myself. All right. Well, thank you, listener, for tuning in. This has been the Fourth Pillar Podcast. You can check us out on Facebook at the Fourth Pillar Podcast. Uh, check us out on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, anywhere you, Stitcher, anywhere you can get your, your streams from. I was gonna add in Stitcher, but I feel like I add in Stitcher every single time, and I don't want people to think that that's I your just listen to a lot of Stitcher. You listen to, I, I, I listen to a lot of Stitcher in the past. I, I, I'm not hating on Stitcher. Uh, I was just not super aware of it before. Like, uh, and, and guys, if you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you go to our Facebook page at the Fourth Pillar Podcast and hit like, share yeah. it with others, comment comment on 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 the posts. You know, let us know what you think of the show, what you might want to hear different. Put or, us on blast if you want. Yeah, put us on blast or agree. Who We're cares? We're men. We can handle it. Also, uh, we do really want your feedback. It'll help us uh, mold this into something enjoyable for both us and you. Right. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. I'm Scott. I'm Chris. I'm Aaron, and we are the fourth pillar. Later, guys.